Today I'm talking to Matt Breitenbach with Compass in the Hamptons. Since entering his real estate career at 22 years old, he has sold over $1.5 billion in real estate and has over 12 years experience representing celebrity and luxury real estate clients. His most recent notable sales include the representation of Truman Capote's original Hamptons estate and the sale of NBA superstar Jason Kidd's Watermill home. His reputation is for consistently carrying one of the most impressive luxury listing portfolios in the marketplace. Matt was most recently recognized and ranked by the Wall Street Journal as one of the top brokers in the country. Today, we talk about billionaire and high-profile clients, what's most important when working with them. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast is to share knowledge for realtors and raise awareness for Give Back Homes, where real estate professionals work together for social good. Jet Centers Aviation, Bentley Atlanta, Legends Global, thank you for your sponsorship. All right, it's the Jerry Metcalf podcast where top real estate agents tell how they do it. Today we have, with Compass from the Hamptons, Matt Breitenbach. Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show. It is an honor to have you. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the, the invite. I love, I love sharing as much as I can. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. So a little bit about you that a, a lot of people already know who you are. You were introduced to me by Bill Fendel and Telluride one of the best real estate agents I've ever met. And he feels the same way about you, but you represent clients in the Hamptons. You have a really, you're well known for your luxury listing platform. You have broken records, sold high-end homes for more than asking. You represent celebrity clients, hedge fund clients. You're really working with people of high net worth, high profile or not high profile, but high net worth and nobody would ever know they had that kind of money. Um, so that's who we're talking to today, everybody, for those of you who don't know Matt yet. Um, but before we go into all that, because I'm really curious to learn more about such a unique place that so many people would aspire to in business, how did you become a real estate agent in the first place? By the way, everybody, he's been an agent since he was 22 years old. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for that. Everything you're saying. And I appreciate all that. Um, yeah. So I got in the business at 22. My mom's actually a, a, a big superstar agent out in the Hamptons as well. And I grew up around and my dad's a builder. Um, you know, so, you know, I spent a lot of my life, you know, in the front seat of my dad's car, you know, looking houses getting built or, you know, driving around with my mom, you know, I gotta go pick up these keys or I gotta go do this. And so, you know, it was, I kind of I was exposed to real estate, also the work ethic that it takes in real estate from a very young age. And, yeah. um, you know, believe it or not, I wasn't the best student in college and I, I was decent. But, you know, I came to 22 years old and I always loved the Hamptons, I had a passion about the Hamptons. And, um, you know, I had an entrepreneurial spirit always, which I think you need in this business. And, you know, um, I was a little bit of a free spirit in that regard. I didn't really see myself chained to a desk and I thought it was very interesting. And yeah. I kind of begged my mom to be her assistant in 2006 at 22. Um, and, um, she actually went on vacation, left me with like the whole business. She kind of threw me right into the fire. Wow. Major program. She's the number one in the company. And, um, when she came back, I actually, I sold the house while she was away. 
and she loves telling that story. So literally two weeks into the business, I ended up doing a $2.8 million deal um, in Sag Harbor, this old Victorian, you know, 12 bedroom home, very, you know, I don't know who's familiar with Sag Harbor, but it's like kind of a Van Nantucket kind of market, yeah. whaling, old whaling town, very, very prestigious in the Hamptons. And, you know, at 22, you know, going, went from a college salary to, to making a nice, a nice commission was a whole, whole new, uh, realm for me kind of hooked me from the get-go so i mean it was also at a time of real estate when there wasn't much in the business to it for for youth it was a much different time it was pre million dollar listing and everything else like all my friends were moving to new york city and they thought i was crazy but um now it's funny the ties have turned like they, they're kind of trying to come out to the hamptons now so and exactly. New York. exactly that's incredible so um because so being a real estate agent your mom leaves you with everything how did she know you weren't going to drop the ball? I'm just curious. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I she she gave me a great platform, and I think it was a great. I worked for her for seven years before kind of venturing out my own, and I learned so much from her. I always say she's still one of the best brokers I ever. But I, you know, I think we learned from each other. I think yeah. I gave her I gave her a business a different platform again with my entrepreneurial spirit. I helped her build out a lot of stuff, email yeah. blasting, but no one's really email blasting. I helped us build out a, a website and all sorts of stuff. So when I kind of went on this, you know, I always, you know, I kind of had a chip on my shoulder always like later on in my career that everyone thought I was like a product of her too. So that's, it was part of my reason venturing out on my own and, um, you know, really trying to show, show everybody that, you know, I had my, I had this own. You yeah, know, exactly. I think that's huge to say, because I know a lot of people with a lot of connections and a lot of money and a lot really successful parents. And that's not what made them that that's often they're, they're not successful as a result of that. They're totally. not able to get their own grit and 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 get in and and have the chutzpah to do it because it it did come too easily and they didn't have they didn't like get down and do what it took and you clearly did that and I think you need you deserve a lot of credit for that I was the opposite I had nothing but it sure did give me a lot of resistance it, it was kind of like an implemented training program that I didn't even like it was it it was that was my path to success but sometimes I think. That's awesome, but there's things about that that are easier because you're forced to do it. You had the situation where you weren't, but you had the initiative to create and make yourself and your own identity from it. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, going out, being an agent, being on your own, things that you overcome, things that you're most proud of. And I want to segue also into the kind of clients that you have and who you represent, but kind of start us with that. Yeah. Um, you know, I went out on my own in 2014 and it was a big jump for me. I kind of went from this private office with my mom, who was the number one agent in the company, you know, and we were at Corcoran at the time. I was at Corcoran at the time with her and she's still at Corcoran, but, you know, to going to this little cubicle desk at the other office or, you know, in another town yeah. and sitting there and, you know, kind of having to reinvent myself um, and, and rebrand myself and, you know, try to try to come out of this thing. And, you know, I just, you know, I really, at the end of the day, it can be simple real estate though. I just picked up the phone and I started calling everybody in my network. And, you know, when I worked with my mom, I didn't have to do that. I mean, her phone is rang. She was branded. She was doing it for so long. I mean, she yeah. just made her, I really was, it really was a whole different thing for me, but you know, I found that grit, like, as you're talking about and yeah. grind and went after it. And, awesome. you know, a little, little later that year, um, I got a big break cause I got this big developer and I was able to get this listing and, um, and I, I was able to sell it to Jason Kidd, the big NBA, you know, Hall of Famer. And that deal kind of really, 
when people ask me like, what was the deal that kind of put you on the map as like kind of a single agent? I think that was kind of the deal. Like this kid's for real, yeah. you know? And I was, you know, and in, that was still in my twenties at the time. And it just, it just really just kind of put me on the map in regards to. So you know, how did that come about? How did you cross paths with Jason Kidd and how did he become your client? Um, it was funny. I actually, I actually got referred to him through another client of mine. They used to own Orlando magic that I, I was working with. And, um, who I met during a real estate deal that was actually working with another agent, but he really liked me. So after we bought the house, we kind of stayed in contact and, um, you know, he was like, Jason's going to be looking, whatever. And actually Jason had got referred somebody else already. Um, but what, what the funny thing about the whole situation is that he actually ended up buying this, this house that I was marketing, even though I had got referred to him and we kind of hit it off. And, um, you know, when he, you know, he bought that house and we did that deal and there was a lot of press on that deal. Yeah. Um, and the, the bigger press actually came two years later. I mean, one, I got him a fantastic deal on that house. And, um, you know, you know, two years later, I ended up uh, just, re you know, reselling it for him, made him $2 million on the, on the return on that. Um, we sold it for seven. That. Yeah. So two years later, we sold it for seven, too, um, when he got traded to Milwaukee. Wow. And, you know, it was it was, uh, you know, we had become friends during the whole process. And it was funny because right before he decided to sell it, he got traded. He actually hit me up and he was like, Matt, I want to upgrade. And I was like, all right. So we're looking at like $10 million houses and I'm watching ESPN one day. And next thing you know, the thing comes through is that Jason Kidd traded to, you know, to Milwaukee Bucks. And I was like, oh my God, no, you know, we're looking at $10 million houses. What's going on? But then, you know, at least wow. it was far enough away that he wanted to sell the house. And, um, you know, yeah. it, it, it just shows grit too, I think in real estate too. Like, you know, um, you know, follow back up with people. Maybe you don't get that client, but kind of staying in that sphere. Yeah. And that's, you know, with Jay, I was really bummed that, you know, but it was just funny how the universe worked or whatever, you know, he ended up buying the house that I was actually marketing, even though he ended up, you know, that makes you look like a broker, superstar. You know, that's you know. awesome. I mean, basically you did both sides of that deal. Yeah. That's yeah, incredible. So. so what is the difference um, between and even between, so you represent a lot of guys, you know, you've got the billion dollar clients, you've got these celebrity athlete clients, and I'm sure you have more traditional clients. What would you say is the difference in those clients and how to handle them and what's important and how do you win the business and how do you establish that level of trust with people who are so kind of unaccessible? Um, you know, the, uh, you know, I think, you know, dealing with the ultra high net worth, you know, I deal with a lot of, you know, high end hedge fund guys and private equity guys. And like, I always joke, like if you look, watch the show billions, a lot of those kind of guys, right. They're, they're very frequent in the Hamptons. Right. And I think you could, you have to handle those guys the same way you would handle a celebrity or an athlete. Right. And yeah. I think I always tell the guys on my team that are up and coming, I was like, you can't broker these guys. Like, don't try and you can't sell them. They're too smart for you. <laughs> and so you just got to be genuine. Yeah integrity you got to be honest and yeah. i always had a saying which i learned i actually heard an old school broker and i stole it from was keep it simple and keep it honest right and you know try to be as direct um and you got to look out for them and you, and you can't be like coming off like you're looking for a commission or whatever you got to be looking you know you know you know out for their best interest and I, and one yeah. of the kind of moral concepts of my team is is um you know we're trusted advisors we're real estate wealth advisors and um, just as a financial advisor, you know, is looking out for someone trying to buy two, $3 million worth of property. Um, you know, I mean, uh, of stock, you know, we'd be, you know, if you're trying to buy property or invest or whatever. And I think, um, 
there's a it's a it's an exciting time to work in, especially the athletic celebrity sphere. Because I think especially a lot of the sports guys, yeah, you know, you know, want to um, they want to invest in real estate. They love real estate. It's it's a really hot topic. You know, it's you know, I remember I, I met EJ Manuel at a party who you know used to be the quarterback for the Raiders, and he was like, it's funny. He's like, you know, he's talking to me and another friend of mine. He's like, it's funny. You guys, who's a business guy but not a real estate guy, and he was like, it's funny. You know, you guys all want to be us on the field. He's like, we just we we're, we're kind of like want to be you guys. Like we want to be investing in deals and and buying stuff and investing in real estate and everything else. So it's it's funny, you know. Um, yeah. you know, even look at a guy like Kevin Durant. You know, he's got he's out in California with all the Silicon Valley stuff. He's investing in all sorts of companies and things too. So. Um, you know, it's, it's a very hot topic right now, you know, but I think exactly. dealing with these guys, if you have the chance to, it's, it's, it's a very much a referral business too. And I think if you have the chance to, to get into that sphere, um, and if, if you don't get, if you don't have the chance of maybe running into them or, or getting referred one of them early on, I think it's kind of hanging out where they hang out and trying to get into some of those networks. We're going to get that. Cause I've had a few. Um, baseball players, NFL football players. One of my nicest clients ever was one of the meanest guys in the NFL and highest paid and the most kind person, like watching my schedule, thanking me, turning lights off. I mean, amazing guy. But I say that to say, for me, it has come from other agents and it has come from wealth advisors. Their wealth yeah. advisors come to me because they know they'll like me. They know we'll get along. I'll either keep it authentic, keep it real, be discreet, all that good stuff. And also um, wealth advisors because it comes back to, you know, keep it simple, keep it honest. And, yeah. you know, I'm not going to be in it to push them to buy and sell. You know, did it one recently. And I'm like, um, I think you're spending too much money. And he's probably <laughs> not. But, like, just so you know, in Atlanta, yeah. in that neighborhood, for what we're doing – you might get your money back, but you might not because this is not the Hamptons. This is yeah. Atlanta and Atlanta is a great market. And there are a lot of opportunities, in Atlanta, don't get me wrong to spend a lot of money, get a return, but there, you know, everybody knows it's how that can go. But anyway, back to you and your experience kind of off of that, where do you develop those relationships again, because you're in those circles already? Um, yeah. You know, I think, I think I got, I said like JC Kid put me on the map for that, and I think I got yeah. kind of, you know, it, it, I th I always say you kind of do one deal with one of these guys, or you meet, you become a good source for people. That's why I think your reputation as an agent is so, is so, you know, you got to kind of. I always tell my team too, like you got to follow up with people. You also got to follow through. You know, you have follow to follow up um, and follow through. Make things happen, um, and you know, you know, get them a return, or you know, or just just you know, showcase your value. Um, as an agent, as an advisor, giving them an honest shit, you know, opinion and yeah. helping them out and, and just, you know, being responsive, being on top of things and everything else. And I think it's going to create other business from that, you know, um, you know, because they, they all talk and it's just so much referrals, you know, especially I know the hedge fund guys, there's so much into their confidentiality. Right. And, and that's a big thing, too. Like, I think, you know, having their having the reputation that as soon as you do a deal, you're not you're not immediately, um, from, you know, you know, going to page six, you know, and saying, hey, you know just, you know, sold this guy house or whatever. Yeah. And having that reputation, I think you can promote, but it's just, it's very, being very conscious of your brand and how you promote and everything else, you know? So, um, you know, it, it's, it's going to spawn other business though. Just, you know, being, being on top of your business for exactly. sure. How much of your business comes from 
referrals and relationships and doing a good job for one guy and then they all have, you know, you've got these guys with a tight network that are referring you to their friends and how much of it comes from how important is advertising marketing and positioning yourself um, for your I, business? I, I think it's a, it's all, it's, I think this business is a referral business. I think your network's your network. And I always tell my guys too on my team, like build your, build your network. That's yeah. your power base. That's everything. Like I would say, actually to be honest with you, it's probably like oh, like over eighty. It's, it probably my referral network is 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 my that's that's everything to me. You know, from clients to past clients to to brokers. I, I believe so heavily in the broker to broker referral, which you touched on. And I think yeah. you know it, it's such a you know just to make those relationships. Like I I go into New York City from the Hamptons a couple times a month, and like I was just at HQ at Compass just two days ago and hanging out on the 11th floor there and just meeting agents and introducing myself and everything else. And how was that uh, by the way? That's amazing. It's yeah. just it's an incredible ecosystem. It's an incredible vibe there. It makes you want to go take over the world because there's just so much innovation well, there. What is the floor that I've, I've, I've been and but the floor where all the engineers, like you've got like two. Oh yeah. It's cool. They, it, it's the conference rooms on that. I forget the number, but I know there, I know all the conference rooms are named after like Harry Potter and yeah. Game of Thrones and stuff. <laughs> so cute. It's so much fun. Yeah. So but I think it's, for me, it's it's a lot of referral. You know, it's so much referral yeah. and working those relationships, especially with brokers. Like, you know, if you're an agent out there, you know, go make those make those brand relationships for yourself. And again, like, if, if that, you know, that's, that's something where you're following up with that agent and trying to get that referral. But when you get that opportunity, like, make that happen. Make it a priority. Make that happen, you know, because they're going to want to refer to you again. You know? Well, exactly. And also... I think it's important that I don't know if you do this talking about agent referrals, because obviously you and I do a lot of, of business with other agents is when I have a client moving to San Diego, for example, or another market, I always make a point. It's good for, well, there's two things. It's good for business to meet the agent on the other end, because back in the day when I didn't think this way, which I'm embarrassed to admit, you often had the challenge of the agent on the, on the purchase or the sale of the list, you know, usually it's if you're the listing agent, the agent they're using to buy is actually trying to refer them an Atlanta agent the minute they get frustrated with you. So yeah. if you develop that relationship with that agent in the other market on the front end and get to know them, know what they're about, find the opportunity to send them more business and they'll do the same for you. And now you've cultivated, you've shown them the opportunity in working with you and what a great agent you are. And you can, you can, you can, co-op's the wrong word, but you, you can work together to understand here's what's going on here. You know, here's what the, here's the deal we're doing. Here's the transaction. Here's how things are unfolding. So that making sure they're on top of timing for my clients in the market that they're moving into. Yeah, for um, sure. I think it's really well said. I think it goes back to that real, like that trusted advisor stuff. Like, you know, for me, like I don't have a lot, I don't have as much relocation, but I do know that like, my guys, like I call them like feeder markets to the Hamptons because it's a luxury market yeah. like Greenwich or New York City or Miami or Aspen and also LA. Like, and now we're getting a lot of Texas people here too. But, um, interesting. Yeah. You know, wealth, wealth, you know, the over 001%, you know, they kind of trap, you know, that money travels in similar, similar areas. So Very it's also being circles. a trusted advisor. Like, hey, if you're buying a ski house, you know, I'm here for you and, and, and putting that out in your brand that you can help you everywhere. It's kind of a full of how you handle your business, but also kind of what you perceive and how you perceive it in your newsletter or whatever. You know, if you do need help elsewhere, um, you know, I, I'm here for you to, to help you out. And, and um, 
you know, I think it, it goes into a larger concept too of being empathetic to your clients and listening to them and, you know, you know, like, you know, not just trying to sell them or oversell them or whatever, but listen to what their needs are, where they're going, what's going on and just being a you know, good. So you, know. you just said something really like simple. I love like, you know, keep it simple, keep it honest, but so important. And, and a lot of our listeners know this, but we always like to be reminded in a lot of, but, but anyway, is just, is that listen, listen, because yeah. especially you tell me because you have a, a lot higher net worth clients than, than I've worked with. But in working with clients, I think there's, are you, you know, I'd love to know your thoughts on this, but mine has always been what's up with all these training programs in real estate about scripting and calling people 33 times a year and so forth and so on that does not establish rapport and trust. No, that's like stalker mentality and stalker behavior. It's developing relationships. And when you're in front of people, the, the people that you're working with are people that everybody wants to be in front of and everybody aspires to have as a client and work with or they think they do. And and those people don't need someone pitching and selling and pushing them. They need yeah. someone they can trust and who can hear and listen and empathize yeah. and understand them. No, totally. I think I always kind of say like I try to be like the anti-broker, you know, like <laughs> and right. I, I've been around the business for so long. Like I feel like I've grew, I've only career I've ever had, I've just grown up around brokers and I've taken things from different agents and I've observed so much. Um, but like this point in my career though, too, I, I think you nailed it. Like too, it's just, you just listen to your, your clients and, and, you know, especially when I'm dealing with these guys, they're, like I said, I deal with a lot of these like, you know, late 30, you know, there's a lot of new money coming to Hamptons and it helps me in a compass because I think we market a lot to that new luxury buyer, but we have these, you know, late thirties, young family kind of hedge fund guys. Right. And, you know, you can't broker them. You can't sell them. They're they're, yeah. they're very smart. They're extremely smart. And actually, like, there's this whole perception of these guys, right? You know, that they're like Wolf of Wall Street, like stockbroker with a three-piece suit. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, they show up in the first, the richest client I have, I can't say his name, but he's worth $6 billion. He's 38 years old. And I showed up, he had a backwards hat on and he's wearing like shorts. And I'm like, what? You know, and he's at this $30 million oceanfront in his like bathing suit with a backwards hat on. And I'm like, you know, but, you know, these guys are, yeah. they're a different breed and, and you can't, yeah. you can't, you know, come at them. You're, you're, you know, trying to like, you know, jump into a house and do a backflip and tell them to buy it. They're not going to, it's not, it's not work, it's you know, just a lot of they're just, yeah. You know? So I you have to share, you're going to love this story. And then you can elaborate more. Do you know Shen Schultz in Malibu? Yeah. Yeah. So he's got this great story. I forget who it was, but he's showing this property and you know, he used to, he used to own a carpet cleaning company in Malibu. And Shen decides he's going to start selling real estate. And he's got this great story about how this client is, I don't know if it was a client yet, but I think it was his listing, I think $20 million listing. And he's like, can I let me show you? And he's like so excited and showing the house. And he's like, you know, I was like really excited and I wanted to work hard and be there and tell him where the fireplace was. And the client looks at him and he says, Shen, can I give you some advice? And he's like, Sure. What's that? He's so funny when he tells it because he's like so like revealing all of his like just so like put it out there. And um, he's like, and he, they're like, he's like, yeah, sure. And he's like, I need you to be quiet. I make about a billion dollars a year. I don't need you to tell me what I do and don't like. I need you to be quiet and let me look at the house. And when I have questions, I need you to have the answers. And he's, like, he's like, got it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's, that's exactly... 
exactly kind of what I think what it is. I think, you know, you know, you got to show your value to them, obviously, but I think you can't, you got to be very touch and feel. And, you know, it's a great, I don't know if you touched on your, your podcast before or whatever, got to really changed my whole really eye open to it. I heard him speak like maybe, you know, three, four years ago was uh, Chris Voss. Um, and you know, that never put the difference book. I'm telling you, man, like that, really changed my I think my relationship but also is you have no that. idea what you just said to me like that is my most I need to shut up and let you finish Isaac's over here like holding me back I love that <laughs> man like you have no idea how much oh, I like, love him no he's like, incredible and I like his book and you know oh my God. I, actually, I read it and then I started I wanted to go through it again so I drive a lot like I'm in the Hamptons or we're kind of a country market so I'm like you know you're kind of in and out of the office and you're driving and you know I'm running to appointments. I started listening to it in, in the car on tape on audio because like, you know, he's just, I, it's just such an incredible thing. It's just really got me. It really flipped my mindset um, to start thinking about what my client needs yeah. and even negotiations, like seeing why someone feels yeah. they are, why, what position they're in and why they feel the way they do is such a powerful thing, you know, and, and then working back from where they are to, to where that is, is, is a pretty amazing thing, you know? So you have to know, there's not a show that I, there's, there are few, since I read that book, I bet you Shen was one of them. 15 people told me to read Never Split the Difference. Yeah. I'm like, huh, it must be a good book. Yeah. I read it. I don't, I think I'm on my sixth round. Oh, it's amazing. And because every time you, you get amazing. it, you start picking stuff up and there's so much there that it almost, you got to take notes from it. But I'm telling you, I tell the guys on my team, Chris Bosch, Never Split the Difference, like, Go listen to him. Go find him online. Watch his stuff. He's got a great blog too. He is. Oh, he's the jam man for sure. He knows what's up. So, everybody, March twenty fourth, March twenty second, he's going to be in Atlanta. I'm hanging out with that guy. Like, (laughs) I'm not kidding you. I actually am. I'll I'll tell you more offline. But I'm going to be at his event. He's actually got me doing a quick speech on Friday because I have since made a point to make friends with him because he has literally people laugh at me were you at compass when we had when did you come to compass um i just celebrated my year anniversary a few weeks ago end of january last year so so you were were you in la at the yeah yeah right and then we got to get back to you but seriously everyone listening i'm so glad you brought him up because he, it, it, but it's back to your point. I met him. It was awesome. I was like a kid meeting Justin Bieber. I was losing <laughs> my mind because he's so amazing. And yeah. I, I like, he, he knows who I am now because I don't let him not know. I do stalk him. I don't stalk my clients. I just stalk Chris Voss. <laughs> You're following up. You're following up. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's it. But, but, um, where I, where, but that, that book, what you just said, it's just, you know, it, for me, it's the book taught me about as salespeople, it becomes our paradigm that our job is to convince people of things or our job is to tell people what we know and they don't know. That is not our job. Totally. Our job is to ask people questions in a way that they, the, the truth reveals itself. And when you're negotiating, to ask things in a way that it that it reveals the black swan, the things that we don't know and we need to know, and do it in a way that the client, like you said, knows you knows you're listening. It has you ask questions in a way that you're empathizing, and and 
handling people's emotions so that you can help diffuse their emotions because the minute they go to the place that's not happy and negative, they're not thinking clearly. So whatever you want to do you to convince and what you have to stop, you have to stop right there. The minute they're not agreeing, they're raising their voice, they're not okay, is the minute that you've got to hear where they are and say things to, so that they respond to you, that's right. And yeah. until they're getting to that's right, forget forget the whole, nothing in the world matters except that you, you hear what they're saying. And when you hear them escalating, you know that's the time that you need to be quiet and listen. And when the time's right, say things to them that they can hear you and know that they're going to say that's right to you. And when you do that, it forces empathy. Yeah. As an agent, you can hear somebody and you're like, like they might make a billion dollars a year, but they're an idiot, right? Yeah. That's an agent. That's our habit because like we're realtors. We sell 50 houses a year. What do they know? Yeah. But they have the money. It's their deal, their situation, their things because we're thinking that in our mind. We don't know and we're not aware that we need to know and opening our eyes to that are going to kill the deal, kill the relationship, kill all the future referrals until we pause, hear it, empathize, diffuse that emotion, get them back in that positive frame of mind so that when you're a positive frame of mind, you are 31% more, I forget what is Chris Voss's quote about you're 31% more effective and or your IQ goes up when you're coming from a positive place. And to yeah. your clients in a positive place, anything you tell them to them and your, their mind is just verifying to them that you're the idiot that they already think you are right now. Yeah. I no, totally. Yeah, anyway. I, I love him. I, I, it's, he's, he's changed my whole... Me too. You know, how, I, how I do a lot of things. And I think even if, if you're an agent and you're listening to this, I think like even if you just want to start small and just start learning some open-ended questions and asking more questions, which is one thing that I started doing a lot more is just asking, you know, how do you feel about that? Or what's, you know, what's like, what makes you think that, you know, or, yeah. just like... You know, like, me more. Right. But it helps you out in any negotiation. Like I tell the guys on my team too, like, you know, ask, you know, be asking questions. And if you're speaking too much, you know, there should be some of the moments obviously that you're, you're taking the floor and anything, but you know, listen to them, open some, open it up and keep that conversation going. Like, especially if I'm ever in a tough negotiation, which I learned from Chris Voss too, like keep them on the phone, you know, and start yes. getting that information, you know, cause you want to understand the perspective. You want to understand why they, you want, you want to understand why they won't go from, you yeah. know, from eight million, eight five, or whatever it is, you right. know, or whatever but, that is, but, it's eight hundred thousand, whatever it is. But like, how, why they won't move? What's really right? What's, and the and the way to why is to never ask why, because the minute yeah. you say why, you're asking them to defend themselves. And once they get defensive, I always say, in business, never be defensive or desperate, which pursuing yeah. and convincing is desperate, and asking somebody why puts them on the defensive. But when you yeah. say, hey what's going on? What is it? Like I had, I have an example. I had a situation where I had someone who didn't want to put a sign in the yard and naturally you said, well, why? But that gets them defensive. And when they're defensive, they get become negative and they, or they start, they, they, if they're having to defend themselves, they can't trust you. But yeah. if you say, it sounds like there's a lot of importance about not putting the sign in the yard. What is it that's important? I'll never forget this. I'd never met these people in my life. And they turned around yeah. and literally, literally disclosed and confided in me something that they didn't want anyone else to know about that was going on in their life. And it was able to unfold that black swan, what we don't know that's going on in a situation. I could have gone in there and told them about how smart I was and how great I was and whatever, but that people don't need that. No, that's, they don't want that. They don't, that's not what, I mean, 
That's brilliant. I mean, I just love that. So what is no, your... I mean, I What's that? If you want to work with higher and luxury people, if you want to work on that high end sphere, like you need to do master that because, you know, you know, they, you know, these, these, I think like, I noticed it, my, my high end clientele, like, you know, if they don't feel like I'm on their team, if they feel like they're getting sold, if they feel like, and, and I think major things, if you see studies on extremely wealthy, high net worth individuals too, like, you know, they're worried there's, there's a lot of fear in that, you know, they're high targeted people. Exactly. They have like fear and, you know, you got to kind of calm a lot about that and, and get, and get inside there. But once you kind of get in there, you're in, but, um, exactly. It's amazing. It's, it, that's an amazing story. And I think it's just amazing. It's I awesome. mean, that I is it. one of like, I could get, we could, we would have to be here for three hours and I would keep thinking <laughs> of more, I mean, more I, and more from revealing black swans to people getting defensive and mirroring. And there are situations where I've literally listened and said three words and went from someone being defensive and upset because of what the reaction to, to it, the situation to realizing by my mirroring it, giving them the ability to pause and hear themselves and look at the situation and understand that I'm listening. I'm no, here, I'm listening. I hear you. I'm not here to convince you or persuade you or sell you. And you, but I can't say that. And you don't need to say that. Yeah. I, I think these, these things too come up a lot more at the end of deals. And one thing I've noticed in my career, and I've learned this from my mom actually I was working with is like the best brokers and the ones that do the most business and, you know, make the most money, the big bucks. And I, I tell my team this too, are the closers, the ones that know, like when the deals get tough, like I think these kind of techniques, you know, and I tell my team this too, like we, we make an offer, we make a verbal offer. Okay. We have an offer and acceptance. Great. And I always joke with them. I was like, okay, now the fun starts, right? There's something wrong in the, the contract. There's this yeah. or that or whatever. People get so emotional at that stage. Someone doesn't want to let go of their house. They're emotional. They lived in there for 25 years yep. or whatever. And it's these kind of techniques at that point, you know, sometimes someone comes in the house and, and it's, I always say it's like half emotion, half, you know, logically investing sometimes, but like, maybe it's like, it's buying a car or something, right? You're excited. Someone comes in the house, they're just going to buy it, you know, no matter what you say, but it's like, as a, as an agent, when you get through into that contract stage at that ending stage, when you're trying to get that thing signed, or you're trying to get that thing over the finish line, that's when these kind of, I think techniques are really, really coming to play, especially when you're dealing in the, in the wealthy sphere. You know, kind of understand their perspective, and and like you said, talk them down. Like I've used his stuff, you know, Chris. With people, you know, I've had clients yelling at me about this, about a contract and this and that, and just say it's like it seems like you feel that yeah. you know, you're, you know, whatever. And also, you know, it does. It's like you know, um, you know, it seems like you're upset, and all of a sudden, like you kind of label the emotion or whatever. That's labeling. They roll it. They roll it back, and it's amazing what it does. You know, it's right? Really because it's once you can get people to say how they feel or label it. There's scientific evidence, and he has so much knowledge on on why these things work. Even though a lot of them, he talks about how he discovered it before people knew why or that it worked. He just knew that it did work. But labeling yeah. people's emotions when they can label it and know what it is, that it's like you look at it and name it. It that actually makes it go away and diffuses it. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. So totally. I just like, I, I almost am sorry. I like, I'm like, oh my God, especially because I expect to laugh. And like, I love talking me. about them. I, 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 you know, anyone who knows me knows I, 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 I preach them around my, my the people that they definitely got to pick them up, especially real estate people looking for something to read or whatever. I said, pick up that book for sure. You know? Me too. So Bill, Bill Fidel told me that, um, cause Bill knows how much I love Chris Voss. 
and he was with me when I met him and he's laughing at me because he's like, Jerry, you're like losing it. I'm like, because he's so awesome. But um, I mean, it's like, I can meet famous people. I can meet like whoever is called Chris Voss. I was like, because he's changed my life and he's saved oh, people's sure. lives with what he, I mean, it's, he's just amazing to me. Um, sure. And I tell everyone, you were doing yourself a disservice if you don't read that book at least once. And if you read it once, you will read it again. It, yeah. It's such a great book. Um, sure. But anyway, see, we get on, on that Chris Voss train. <laughs> but for you, and, and going back to that, because I've talked so much about it because I get so excited, what is, is there like, you've kind of said it, but is there anything else you would add to that? On, or, or actually, what is your best example? Do you have a story that you can share of kind of, you know, I remember the first time I tried some of that stuff, I was like, there's no way this is going to work. And it did. And I was like, wow. And then I understood it. Do you have any kind of examples like that you want to share with us or could share with us? Um, no, it was actually when I, the first time I heard him speak and um, I actually, it was right after I finished and I actually walked out to the hallway of where I was going. And I literally was like, I'm just going to try this out. And I called a client and it was a property that I could not get a price reduction on for a year, you know, and I, I just, one of those properties was carrying, carrying and marketing, marketing and, you know, I was like, let me try this. And I, I tried to use a few of his techniques that I just, it was fresh off of, you know, what I just heard. And literally I got a, I got a half a million dollar price reduction on the property of a property that I couldn't get moved in, in months. And well, I was you got to like, give us a play by play. And I grabbed Chris on the hallway. And I was like, Yo. I was like, you know, I don't, I don't, I haven't met you, man, but I just let you know. And he like, I didn't even know how you know how to take it. Cause I kind of came up to him like, you know, oh, so you met him and told him. Yeah. And I was like, you, you know, could speak was... in complete sentences when you met him, unlike me. So. Yeah. <laughs> so what did he, he say? So, yeah, he was just kind of like, you know, he's kind of a chill guy. So it was yeah, like, oh, whatever. But, it, you know, it just was like it kind of hit me. And then I literally like, you know, power read through that book. And, you know, the next you know month, you know, just power through it, going back through it. it just so like, tell us or what can you if, would you mind sharing with us like like give us a play by play of that conversation and how it unfolded to get, make that happen after a year of not being able to get that price reduction. It, it was, it was like, again, it was, this is a couple of years ago, but um, I don't remember some of the exact things, but I, again, it was like just getting in their corner. You know, it seems like, you know, you guys are emotional about the house and you don't want to bring it down. And I yeah. feel, you know, Chris talks about saying, I feel right. I feel like if we move it here, you know, I yeah. get it. And it, and it just, comes into that positivity like you said I'm, i can get it sold but this is kind of like yeah you know and it's going to make go into a different thing but with, what i use when we switch we're switching gears a little bit to like a, the listing yeah. side of the business which I, I do a lot of like i'm carrying like uh i usually carry a portfolio around 150 million dollars with the listings that's what i have right now we got like i've been growing since i came to comp it's great i got another 100 million in the pipeline and we're trying wow. to scale some but yeah. um i call it like solution-based selling on the listing side of things and really thinking like you know, and that's why, you know, you know, being very honest with your clients and saying, hey, listen, maybe we do really need to stage this and, and having those tough conversations. And I think some of these techniques help you really have difficult conversations that need to be had, you know, because you can't hide from the truth sometimes. And, and setting that expectation of solution based yeah. selling, like, OK, here's our problem. Let's, let's focus on the solutions. Yeah, what to do with I'm, I'm just taking over another property um, in Southampton, um, Southampton. Um, that another broker team had, and this is a $20 million property and we're relaunching it a little cheaper. Um, but in order to, you know, when I was looking at the comps and looking at the market analysis, I'm like, in order to comp compete with 
than other new construction in the market. Yeah. You know, we need to, and this isn't new construction. We need to kind of, you know, we need to stage this thing. I was like, this house is, you know, I was like, it seems like a hospital in here, guy. I was like, there's no, there's no, you need to make, have people have an emotional experience. We need to stage yeah. this. So I like even that compass concierge program, even on a level of a 17, $18 million house. Did y'all do the compass concierge for that house? Yeah, we're going to stage it. Awesome. Um, and then we're going to relaunch and rebrand it. But getting in that mindset, big, okay, here's the issue. This is why buyers are probably feeling that way. And it comes back to empathy in real estate and thinking of why people maybe aren't buying something or why this house isn't really selling. Um, you know, and not just going in there and blowing smoke. They just want to get to women our listing. But obviously, like, let's think of like why it's not selling. Yeah. And how do we build? And I'm telling you that those clients, especially when you go on a listing pitch, you know, are going to really, really appreciate you know, that mindset of how do we get that? driven. Yeah. And, That's um, awesome. All right. We're running out of time and you've got things to do. So I'm still going <laughs> to ask you, do you have like five or six more minutes for? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, awesome. make it I think I know the answer to this one, but what is the one book that's most impacted? This is all, I always ask this, but I want to, I want to hear it again anyway, unless there's another one. What's the book <laughs> that the, but the book that has most impacted your business and your career and your life? Um, oh, man, it's tough. I mean, it's not just, never split the difference. <laughs> it is. I mean, that, that is a very, yeah, that very, very big one. Um, you know, it's a very, very big one. Um, you know, I, I always tell guys too, and not to go down a, a, a bunny hole here, but I think of, of, of reading is so important. I think as an agent and trying to like educate yourself and master your craft and always be reading. And I tell my team this whole time, like, you know, educate yourself and read and listen to these podcasts and just kind of get your stuff. I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big Tony Robbins guy. I love a lot of his stuff and, yeah. you know, ways to chime within some of his stuff has, has been really impactful. And again, I think, um, but I, I, I would say Chris Voss, I think for real estate specifically, really? yeah. Chris Voss has never, never split the difference would be my, would be my main, you know, book that's really changed. I think my whole outlook on, on yeah. negotiating for sure. Like how to negotiate, um, because I, I do a lot of I really for my team, that's kind of where I come in. It's maybe such a better negotiator in, in my life, you know. So this isn't that. in the final three. I'm going to ask you because we didn't we didn't touch on it, and I meant to. But your team, what is your team structure, and how many people? Well, Compass has really helped me out. When I came here, it was just me and kind of, um, you know, my my right hand guy, this guy Kevin Getty, who came over with me from you know two other companies and. He kind of started as my assistant. I kind of groomed him the way I kind of, you know, he was, you know, I was groomed by my mom. Um, and he kind of been growing. And when I got here, I wanted to grow a team. And, and I called, you know, Gordon Golub, who's a senior managing director in New York for, for the New York region. And I was like, Gordon, like, you know, what, what should I do? And he goes, you know, hire an operations person first. He's like, you don't need to go as far as your operations person or your assistant. Mm. So I hired um, an assistant. We have five people now. Um, wow. Five people in a year. We're going to be, we're going to be six in May. Cause I'm, yeah, I got a marketing person coming on full time. Um, wow. but I have an operations director. Um, and then I have, um, you know, I kind of set it up a little differently. I have a listing portfolio manager cause I have a large listing base. Um, mm -hmm. of, like I said, $150 million with listings. So she, her sole job is to manage my listings, you know, make sure those things get listed right. Put those, put those photos online. I actually make sure have the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm then an I have a person and a listing manager. Yeah. And then I basically have a listing portfolio team. Basically like, um, I have two sales agents underneath her that just focus on, you know, open houses and you know, do all those showings and stuff like that. And, 
Um, and then I turned, you know, my right hand guy, Kevin, into basically my buyer's agent who just handles any any buyer or rental that comes in. Um, he handles and, and any anything that comes from the listings, you know, so I kind of, you know, his focus is on conversion and converting those buyer leads and helping me also. He'll help me, too. He's the one guy I trust that I can take out. Like I take him with me on appointments sometimes because, you know, especially with a big client. So I can sit in the front seat. We'll throw him in the back. He'll drive and I can kind of focus on selling. And working with the client, listening so to them. So when you're all. taking buyers out, yeah. So he he kind of helps me on any buy side stuff, especially with my own business. Um, um, and then we have this marketing guy coming on. So he's time. basically the guy. He's kind of the driver and the drives you guys around, helps you see properties, and he's yeah. When he's with me, and then he'll take his own buyers out and do all that kind of stuff too, and, and does his thing, and and any kind of buyer lead that comes from the listing, and then um, you know, awesome. So you've okay. got director of operations. You've got a listing manager. You've got two people on the listings team doing open houses and showings. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got a you've got a basically a buyer's agent who helps you with your buyers and has some of his own buyers. And then yeah. number six is you. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's and then, you know, we're gonna have this marketing person coming on too, which is gonna be big. Um, to help out, I think just take over that because that takes a lot of my time. And I think it's a big yeah. thing. I think as an agent, you got to, you know, I think the best agents do know how to brand and they kind of have that marketing spirit in them. And I, I've always loved it, but it's just, it just, it takes a lot from my day. So I'm trying to have that. And I, I kind of outsource my social media work. I mean, we've got a great presence on social media. I think yeah. like well, we didn't even touch on that. You've, yeah. you've got a great social media digital platform. We yeah. touched on that. We may bring you back if you'll give us your time. I would love to. I'd love to. I love that. Awesome. Cause we do, I would love it. And, we got to let you get back to your day. But um, the last thing is, <clears throat> if there's one thing, or if we were going to only take one thing about away from this interview, what would you have that be? Take one thing from this interview? Yeah, the one thing that we need to make sure we remember, if we were only going to remember one, which I promise you I won't. <laughs> I um, remember Chris Voss's no, coming I up. think... Uh, yeah. I think I think going back to like listening to your listening to your client and being empathetic to your client and their needs and their wants and their stuff and um, you know and how you approach them and you know and maybe I add two things to that not to you know destroy your question but I think keep yeah. it simple keep it honest is a thing I heard from this old school broker when I was like 25 years old in this business and something I still say is just like I kind of like it's one of those things you got to say to yourself yeah. When you're, Maybe you're stressed out or whatever, or you're in a tough negotiation. I'm like, man, just keep it simple, keep it honest. Again, having those tough conversations. Like your mantra: are, keep it simple, yeah. keep it honest. Yeah, like when you're in that tough conversation, right? You know, or like I think sometimes too, which I've learned, like if you're if you're delivering an offer, like believe in it. You know, come in there and be like, you know what, and, and be direct, and don't just dance around and be like, well, wait, because they're gonna sense that. Like, come and say, hey, listen, you know, the cut right to right. it here it is, and just direct and honest and simple, and say, this is what it is. Yeah. And then like, what do we do with this? Right. And then you can kind of go into the empathy of that. But like, just, just, you know, I do a lot of fast people too. Sometimes I got like a CEOs and everything else. You get like 20, you got like 15 minutes of your time. You yeah. know, you got to move fast. That's, that's Robert. Exactly. Awesome.